Welcome to the Event Tech Podcast, where we explore the ever-evolving world of event technology every week. This show is brought to you by Endless Events, the event AV company that doesn't suck. Now, let's talk tech. Hey, everyone. This is Will Kern from Endless Events, and welcome back to another Event Tech Podcast. I am sitting right next to, well, metaphysically sitting right next to the boring Brant Kruger in the house. Well, that's okay. Brant Kruger, Event Technology Consulting. That guy over there, he is the terrible Will Curran. So <laughs> actually worked out quite well this week that we that both had both negative, negative adjectives. Wow, wow. They actually, like the, all of them are pretty negative. It's like the terrible, the unfair, the critical. <laughs> <laughs> However, you could also be the comprehensive Will Curran had I read a little bit. Further, Ooh, so. I don't know if I consider myself comprehensive, though. I'm, not, I'm, I'm pretty more like just like shoot from the hip, kind of like, we'll just go for it kind of person. All right. But that's not what we're here to talk about, is it? No, not at all, because no, then okay. people would be bored out right. of their minds. And plus, Michael would be sitting there going, what are we doing for the rest of the hour? Uh, so we're being, today we're being joined by Michael Blue out of uh, Los Angeles, California. He's the CEO of Event Hub. Um, and uh, so Michael works with more than 300 large live annual events through his event management software company, Event Hub, and has more than a decade of experience as an event organizer and brand sponsorship manager. Michael, did I handle that just about right? That was flawless. Okay. Oh, all right. Sounds always good with the cold read. So we actually started talking to Michael um, uh, about, you know, about Event Hub, and we were thinking about having him come on and talk with a client, and we're still going to do that. But we got so sidetracked talking about event communications um, that we decided to kind of preempt that other episode while we, you know, while because we, we're going to try and get some of his clients on to talk about the product as well. Um, but so I do want to give you a chance to tell the folks a little bit about Event Hub, and then we can start to slide into what we're actually going to be talking about today, which is kind of using event, you know, having, well, better managing your event, right? So better event management through technology, through these tools. You know, anybody who's listened to this show knows Will and I can talk for days about using different apps and plugins and things like that. I I think there was a whole episode, literally. There may have been an entire episode dedicated to Brent and Will's, like, favorite Chrome tabs and things. Um... (laughs) Uh, so, you know, so Michael, let's, let's get things started right now and just, uh, tell us a little bit uh, about Event Hub and what you guys are doing over there. Sure thing. Uh, so my company came out of a, a background, as you mentioned, in, in brand sponsorship management. And I was the guy that, to, to really bring it home for everyone, I was the guy that was in the field that was, uh, managing the sampling programs, the pop-up brand activations at different fairs, festivals, races, expos, all the different types of large live events. We'd have floats and parades sometimes. And the thing that became very, uh, very quickly uh, apparent to me was two things. One was when you're asked by the brand or the agency to go find other events that are a good match for them, it's really, really hard to do so. Uh, You're scrambling around Google. You're looking at some different WordPress blogs that may or may not be three years out of date with their information. And you're so often emailing an info or sales at thisevent.com, waiting for three or four days to hear back from someone who sends you a 30 megabyte uh, PDF that doesn't open on mobile, uh, isn't searchable. And it's just such an arduous, torturous process to really, really pin these people down and get the information you need to say in the first place, okay, is this something that's even a fit for what my client's looking for? So that's one part of what we're trying to solve is how to better match the brands and the partnerships, whether they're exhibitors, sponsors, vendors, the B2B partners that are interested in these live events, how to better match them with the live event organizers and with the event properties. The other big piece of what I found out when I was on tour was there were way too many mornings where I would 
wake up to an email alert at 1 a.m. with my loaded information for 4.30 a.m. in just a few hours. Uh, And that sounds like an exaggeration, but it it really isn't. So often in this industry, there's so many little fires to put out and so many things going on when it comes to the week or the two weeks leading up to an event that the operations teams are just totally slammed. Um, And it's too much, it's it's too hard. So they're getting all these logistical information out at the last second, and it ends up creating a lot of chaos when it comes to load in, setup, and everything that could be much better streamlined to make sure that all of your partners are able to give their best performance and to give the best experience to the attendees at the event, which is the ultimate goal and purpose of those partners. So the, the other piece of what we do, we have a marketplace. We call it a sponsorship marketplace. It's essentially like Airbnb for booth or event space and sponsorship opportunities at any of the events on our platform nationwide. And the other big piece is a streamlined and mobile-friendly dashboard to manage every aspect of your relationship with those B2B folks. So it's the applications, it's all of the messaging, it's the logistics, it's booth assignments, it's payment collection and tracking, um, and it's paperwork review and management. Nice. That seems like a pretty concise – I feel like you may have said that a couple of times over the course (laughs) of the last (laughs) – I don't think I've ever hit it right like that. That was – you nailed it. That's (laughs) awesome. I think think that's what's – What's always fantastic to me is when when it is actually relatively easy to explain a product and like, okay, here's what the problem is, and here's how we solve it. <laughs> well, you would say that you probably know a thing or two, Mike, about how to how this is uh how this is all done. So I I'm I'm curious so that way we can kind of set the stage and maybe kind of put the um in the planner's head who are all listening, like what does a typical planning and management process without all the fancy tools that we're going to probably talk about a little bit, what does that look like? So then that way people can say, I, oh yeah, that's me. And then we can start to talk about, you know, how it should be done. So what does the current process kind of look like, do you think? For an event producer, yeah, or an event organizer, however, every, and each industry has different terms, guys. So if, if the terms that we're using don't make sense for your industry, assume that when we say exhibitor, we could mean sponsor, we could mean vendor. When we say organizer, we could mean producer, we could mean manager. Uh, but it's all the same thing. There's always in the structure, there's a leadership position of some type, and then there's either coordinators under them that are directly producing all the aspects of the event, or there may be a middle management tier between them. So uh, the two general themes that I hope we'll be able to discuss are processes, so team processes, team communication, protocols, priorities, and really team structure when it comes down to it. And then the different systems that you can implement around your team to really give you the best chance to be successful producing your event. Um, to, to go back to your little question a little bit, because I wanted to set the stage for that. But, but the way it typically works in terms of the structure is uh, there's a couple key aspects of project management. Right? You're going to have uh, a timeline. Start of the timeline is, hey, we're going to start working on this day. End of the timeline is maybe the day of the event or it's the week after the event with wrap-up, depending on how you want to lay it out. Um, along that timeline, there's key dates for there's an entertainment aspect and programming aspect you have to lock down. There's uh, sponsorship you have to lock down. There's your attendee, however you're doing attendee ticketing or registration and marketing that goes involved with that. Um, and then all the back of house ops and partners that are actually going to you know source the venue, lock in the venue, um, bring in all of your back of house vendors if you're doing stage or sound and lighting, AV, stuff like that, that, that really help to bring everything to life for the event. All of those puzzle pieces have to fit together in a, in a way that makes sense in order to execute everything in time to get it done in time for event day. And if, if any one of those pieces are kind of out of whack, or if you're looking at the puzzle, if any of those pieces start getting chipped or torn, all of a sudden there's going to be a lot of holes in the whole thing could potentially fall apart. So, so the 
you know, so, so important to understand how you're holding everything together and how you're guiding everything along the way. Out of all the processes, which one do you think needs the most improvement? A hundred percent. I would say just team communication. You know, when it, when it comes to processes, I, I want to say it's the, it's not necessarily the stuff. So, so I break it into kind of three sections, right? When it comes to processes and how you're communicating, I say there's red, yellow, and green. Um, Green is like, oh, this is cool. We can figure this out in a week. Yellow is, oh, we should probably figure this out in the next day or two, right? And then maybe three days tops. And then red is, if you've ever seen that meme where it's like, this is fine, everything is fine, and there's a dog and it's inside of this burning house on fire. Red is like, show up at my door, rip me out of bed at 2 a.m., break my door down if I don't answer it because something's wrong and it's going to blow up everything in your face. I think that the biggest area that breaks down is the yellow. Because it's really hard to identify if something's a non-critical issue. And then also super important is it's super hard to remember when it seems like a small decision that that might not have the ripple effect it ends up having to make sure you're recording and documenting the conversation and the decisions that are made in a way that A, doesn't make you have to remake those decisions all over again. And B, you don't end up making the wrong decision later because you don't have the information then you have now when you made certain decisions. So those could be things when it comes to how you're going to set up your load and those could be how you're going to end up implementing your your ticketing campaign or something like that. Um, or those could be more urgent like, hey, what are we doing with this rider for this entertainer? And, and, and it's like things like that that people are so quick to just jump on a text or try to talk over the phone. And when everyone's in go, go, go mode, your mind's blank an hour later and you have no idea what you just talked about, let alone the decision you just made. So, Well, I think you bring up a good point too that like, each one of those colors also probably has a different level of communication as well. That's you're kind of like hinting at. So, you know, I think the, the greens are easy, right? Like we usually end up just throwing in an email and we'll talk through it. We'll figure it out over the course of a week, a couple of emails back and forth. But then like the red stuff is obvious, right? Like, yeah, like literally kick down the hotel room door or like call the front desk to tell them to wake you up right. or, you know, call you on the cell phone. Let's fix this right now. Urgent, urgent and bunch of text. But yeah, like in that yellow area, you know, how do you decide whether it's email in person or whatever it may be. And I think what ends up happening is that sometimes it needs to be, I mean, like that's probably going into a completely separate subject, but like (laughs) it needs to be, sometimes it needs to be a little asynchronous because like if you say to me, like we need to fix this right now, I'm gonna say, I'm not talking to you until tomorrow because I have back to back meetings, yada, yada, yada. But then you feel like, oh, it has to be right now. Like how do you set the expectations for you to communicate? I'm really fascinated by this whole thing. So what do you think are like the best uh, communication um, systems and processes for that yellow category. Absolutely. And, and so the, it all comes back to before, before you get in the thick of it and things start hitting the fan, you have to have an actual process plan. And it, what we highly recommend is to write it down, have a written plan of this is what's appropriate for email. This, and, and then kind of what a lot of times it'll tailor along the lines of that red, yellow, green communication. So we'll say these are the types of communication that's appropriate for green. It's email, it's you know snail mail, <laughs> fax, whatever. Um, it could also be Slack. It could also be, a, a, and we'll get into this some some later. It could be your, into your project management software as a note. It could be setting a calendar and calendar invite with some notes in the meeting to talk at a later date. Um, for yellow, it can be several things, but I highly recommend it not being text, right? Because again. 
text is not a group thing. It's between one person and another person. Text meaning like actual cell phone text text message. Yeah, what we found is that a ton of teams are just communicating with each other over text message. And and the problem with that is there's no history. It's not searchable as easily as other things. And the group can't access all the information. So you might be talking about something that someone else that's not in your text chain needs to needs to know and needs to be able to go and have a log. Um, The other huge, huge thing when it comes to making these decisions is within your process plan, delegating responsibility and making it very clear and written down who is responsible for what decision-making aspects of the business, what are the things they have to get approval from from the top dog or whoever's above them, and what they're empowered to make on their own. And I use the word empowered very intentionally because there's a difference between saying someone's allowed to do this and someone's empowered to do this and I trust that they'll make the best decision they can and come what may I've got their back versus they're allowed to do this and I'm going to reprimand them if they don't do what I would have done exactly the way I would have done it, you know? So using the word, kind of using the mind frame of I want to empower the people under me to perform to the best of their ability um, really helps you avoid the the pitfalls of, of what can easily happen if you're an expert and you can just say, I would have done it like this to micromanage your team. Because as soon as you start micromanaging your team, they start coming to you for permission instead of forgiveness. And if they start doing that, you get in this whole, you'll never get anything done. You you hit some of my, the five scariest words in, in my event life, which is let's start a group text. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that one always just sends, as soon as you said it, I was like, because <laughs> it's, it's just not the right forum for so much of what we do on site. Um, and, and, you know, so I, for me, I let, you've hit on something that I think that just, we just keep coming back to over and over and over again in all kinds of areas of our events. And that is simply setting expectations. You know, whether you're setting the expectations of the attendee because of X, Y, and Z, or setting expectations of uh, the sponsors because of X, Y, and Z, setting expectations. Setting expectations is such an incredibly important part of just being us, like being humans. That like, like that's what I think one of the biggest things that, that make people frustrated in life, um, whether not much less events, um, is, is, is having an expectation in your mind and then having that not uh, be what comes to pass. And it's so, you know, I just came in off of a long, uh, a long event. um, And so much of those little problems that kept creeping up, um, like you said, was just a matter of expectations of how should we handle this? Who should this go to? How important is it? And, you know, living in that yellow area, living in that yellow area of, you know, is this a burning down the house kind of thing? Or is it, you know, something that we that should be handled in a different way? Um, what, you know, I, I know, I know we want to transition into the tools, but I'd love to just kind of stew in this little area just a little bit longer if we can. Um, you know, how do you recommend kind of setting those expectations with your team? I mean, is it just simply a matter of an email? I mean, you kind of hinted at that, you know, is, or, or is there a better way to truly, because obviously you're never going to be able to come up with every possible scenario, you know, that's, that's going to come. It's just like trying to write a crisis communications plan, right? You, you kind of have to hit the big strokes right. and say, here's the things that we can do because we're never going to be able to come up with all the little things. So how would you kind of recommend tackling that with the team of as far as s- establishing those boundaries and setting setting those expectations? Sure. So one thing is I, I wouldn't do it on an email because uh, <laughs> then you get into that chain and then there's collaboration and then all of a sudden it's in someone's spam box and they never get it. Um, I would say use a s- simple something like a, a shared Google Doc, right? Just to, it's, And it really just has to be the 
leader of the company writing down what how they think things should, should flow, and then a collaboration reviewing that to make sure everyone's 100% on the same page and agrees with everything laid out. Because if, if someone doesn't agree with it and you don't make sure to get that feedback, there's going to be a problem down the line too. Um, so there's, there's some different ways to break it out. And you can do... Uh, I would break it into the buckets we talked about first, right? So you're going to have project leaders in the different areas of the event. Someone's going to be in charge ultimately of programming. Hopefully it's not just the you know CEO or the director is the, in charge of every area. Obviously at the end of the day they're responsible for it, but someone's uh, taking over that responsibility sphere, if you will. So I would break it into programming. I would break it into um you know, attendee and marketing, I would break it into sponsorships and, and B2B partners, and then break it into production and ops back a house. Those are some general buckets that are easy to divide amongst the team. And then within that, you're going to break that down into maybe the two or three most critical items or, a, you know, five, we'll say half a dozen most critical items that have to happen. Um, and then try to delineate within that what what areas of responsibility you know have to be checked. So for programming, it could be um, up to ten thousand dollar per artist. You have the go ahead. Anything over ten thousand, you have to get approval from the director. So, something like that is a very easy example. Um, same thing with hiring back of house vendors. Stage if it's going to if total stage budget is the, you know ask for final budget approval. Or, or something like that. Present a plan before and get final sign off, but empowering you to do the plan and do the research and do the, the negotiations, get everything lined up. Um, you know, every event's so different. You could go into a million different scenarios, and each one would be slightly. The, the biggest thing is, first of all, identifying. And we didn't touch on this yet, but as an event producer, the head honcho, you have to identify the strengths and capabilities of your team. Right, because that's going to inform every area that you really can delegate and feel comfortable delegating. If you don't feel comfortable delegating almost anything and empowering it all, you probably don't have the right team. So hopefully that's not the case, and hopefully um, you feel really good about certain team member skill sets. And then what you're going to do is incorporate that knowledge of their talent into informing your plan for processes. Right. So you have people that you feel should be able to do a good job in these areas responsible for them. Um, and then within that, really just talking about when it comes to the decision-making process, uh, talking about how you so, – so you can't list every specific scenario like you said. But you can say, hey, this is how I want approvals to go. You're going to submit it to me via, via email or on a, uh, a project card or something like that. You're going to tag me and there's going to be a due date. Uh, and you're going to hold me to that due date as the person who has to sign off. Things like that, setting the protocol for how to communicate and how decision-making is going to be made is just as important as powering who's making what decisions so that on one side you have who's making the calls and on the second side is how they're making the calls and when and why. I love this idea of of, of the empowerment and and having having the kind of buckets of uh, buckets of cash for, for for lack of a better term. You know what I mean? You know, having having this kind of zone of empowerment. They're like, okay, anything within this, just it's yours. Just handle it. And I always feel like the best hotels in the world kind of get that. Um, the best, the you know, the the best customer service, regardless of the industry, frequently has that as a model of like you've got a certain amount of wiggle room that you can just take care of. Um, And that always makes me feel better as a consumer when I when I run into that, you know, that you run into this person who's like, you know what, I can take care of that for you. They don't need to go check with a manager. They don't need to, you know, they just they just make it go. And so having people on your event team have that ability as well, you know, that, hey, 
you know, if I need to add a flip chart in room 37, mm-hmm. I don't have to come and get that approved from you. I've got a certain amount of authority that as your on-site staff, I can just do. Um, so I, I absolutely love this idea. I want to make sure that we get into the tool side of things, though. So if you've got anything else that you want to throw out on the people side, uh, feel free. But, but you know, then sure. we can certainly transition into the tool. Well, so here's a quick, just to bring it home, I guess, in a real yeah. life example and, and sponsorship. Say you have a sponsorship coordinator and they're on site at your festivals the day of. They're going to do a site check on the sponsor and it turns out that they needed 30 amp power, but they got 15 amps. So they can't run their they're set they can't get power uh if that coordinator's in power you say no problem utility guys get this done we'll figure it out later great if they're not and there's like oh well i have to go check with the sponsorship head who then's going to have to go check with someone else to get approved and your sponsor's down for three or four hours guess who's not coming back and all of a sudden what would be a twenty dollar maybe five dollar expense off the full generator pull for that event could cost them a thirty thousand dollar sponsorship next year so the, that's the way, you know, when you have systems in place and processes and everyone's empowered to do what they need to do, you make a lot more money. You get more, as you said, I think buckets of cash at the end of the day, it all works out. And guess what? All of your attendees are going to have a lot more fun than walking past a turned off sponsorship booth than someone that's fully engaged and able to give them the whole experience that you guys partnered to do. So we're yeah. all, we're snapping, we're clapping, <laughs> we're, uh, so, so we're nodding. Yeah. It's an so, audio podcast though. So that was stupid. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so moving over to, uh, we can do that. Post, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> moving over to systems. Where would you guys like to start? Oh my God. I'm going to be, you guys ready for the next like four hour? Yeah. Bring the fire hose. Let's of, go. Yeah. Let's do it. Um, so I want to start with, um, one of them that you mentioned earlier, um, which is the, like the documentation of processes. Um, so you talked about Google Docs, but I know there's a lot of options for process documentation and people might be using Google Docs and finding it's clunky or how do you link to other things? What sort of suggestions do you have for process documentation? Sure thing. So I would say you need to start off with some kind of a project management tool. Um, and one of the things that we've been blessed with is as an a company that's gone through accelerators and whatnot and has a software background is there's a ton of project management tools out there and they all but you don't have to use project management tools for software um, there's amazing tools out there that have free versions there's things like uh, Basecamp is a popular one among event producers there's things like Trello T-R-E-L-L-O um, Asana A-S-A-N-A these are all just project management tools and a lot of them are what's called card based and the best way to describe that is Back in the day, if you had a poster board and you had index cards, and for those of you where it's not, so back in the day, no harm done. You know, no, this is just just an education thing, but I highly recommend this. Um, it's essentially a virtual poster board with index cards under different project lists, right? That's what you're going for with project management software. Except unlike an index card, you can assign a member to it that's going to get a notification, and you can have due dates, and you can have checklists within these things, um, and expand it with attaching uh, links and images and stuff like that. So the idea is project management at the top, and then everything else is going to kind of buzz around executing the different project management cards within that, if that makes sense. Um, in terms of the the other processes, if you guys just want me to riff from there, I can kind of yeah, kind of dive into go, it. Yeah, go let's it. go. So you have your project management card. Your next thing up is going to be how are you handling the yellow communication, right? Um, I love what's called Slack. Um, for those who don't know Slack, if you've ever back in the day used AOL Instant Messenger or anything like that, um, Slack is a modern instant messenger that has is essentially an internal team messenger system 
but it's much more than that. So Slack is a piece of software that can integrate with Google. It integrates with your other systems perfectly, right? So in your and Slack is essentially, like I said, instant messaging. But a huge difference is there's a history. All of your communications are searchable. Um, you can tag and pin things to the top that are super important. You can even set reminders for yourself within there, and it integrates with Trello and other project management softwares. Um, so you have a constant stream of not just your direct communications, but different areas of the project, you can create a channel for it, right? And a channel is essentially a group message, but beyond just a random group message, it's a labeled group message that people can come into and out of as they need. So you could have a programming channel, you could have a marketing channel, you could have a ticketing channel, you could have a finance channel. And whoever needs to be infected with those areas can be added to that, um, and then they'll be able to see updates in the channel across that affect their project areas. So I love Slack as a tool. There's a really great free version where you can get a ton of functionality of both Trello and Slack um, to help out a ton with that. And it's and it's better than I would say just better than um, text message for that reason. So this is this is the point where where Brant does his grumpy old man bit. Um, and uh, so I've I've but but it, it, it does actually factor in greatly to what we're talking about today yeah. that I've got a love hate relationship with Slack for the very reasons that we started talking about with, you know, how establishing how you get a hold of people and when and why and 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 that, you know, being very clear about, OK, you know, at this point in time, honestly, I think I'm in five or six Slack spaces, mm -hmm. each of which has multiple channels, each of, you know, and so I'm not reading every message. I'm just, you know, I try to be straight with people about that. And, and so if you need to get a hold of me for some reason, you need to, you know, use what's called an at, you know, and specifically mention me by name so yep. that it gives me a notification. So I just wanted to kind of throw this out there, not, not as any, you know, pro or con of Slack, but I think because it is a powerful and useful tool, we have to set those expectations and be sure to say, okay, look, if you know this is the only thing that we're working in, great. Also understanding that different people communicate in different ways and that there are certain people that just no matter how awesome this tool is, you're still going to have to send them an email. Um, so I just wanted to kind of throw those couple sure. of caveats on that, talking about when, whenever we, whenever Slack comes up, I have to throw those couple of caveats. Absolutely. But, but at least you can tag someone in it, right? Yeah. Which you can't yeah, do in yeah. a text. It's just there. Exactly. Um, oh my gosh. No, you're right. Slack has its pitfalls. And I'll say, I'll be the first to say that the actual mobile app for Slack is not always great about pinging you when you do need to see something. It's actually easy to miss things within that sometimes. So it's important to write down that process plan and have everything everything involved. And, and, and what I normally say is, hey, if I'm on the road and I don't answer Slack within right X amount of time, so you give an expectation window. Anything that's not answered within this amount of time, you have my permission to directly text me or call me or whatever it needs to be done so that it makes sure we don't, we don't miss anything. But you touched on something else which is interesting, which is people may or not may not be more or less tech savvy. But one of the things that we've found is that the organizations that are performing the best, they're, uh, they're not making exceptions for team members. And by that I mean if you have a great system and a process and you have someone that's worked with you for years and they say, no, I'm just going to do it the way they do it, and you let them do that, you've just created a massive break in the chain. Yeah. Because everyone else is going to be firing all cylinders and then you're going to be slowing down your organization and slowing down your performance to accommodate them being stubborn about something. So on the front end, when you develop these process plans and determine what tech you're going to use with that, you have to make sure that everyone's on board and committed to using it. And you need them to be willing to go through some growing pains as they learn that. And the other thing is to, to consider the ease of use and the how intuitive it is and the interface and how mobile friendly it is when you're choosing what tools you're going to use. 
Yeah, I mean, like, I couldn't agree anymore. I think definitely from an adoption standpoint, uh, I would recommend too. like, sometimes you, uh, you have to recognize that there are always going to be stubborn people, and they're always going to exist. And it's not a matter of if you are if it well, it's the tool, it's just the past person might be really stubborn about it. But that's why it's important for you to really think about like, how can you get everyone on it as quick as possible? Because Far too often I see when it comes to these, these tools and adoptions, like, oh, let's just like slowly roll it out. When in reality, sometimes it's like pulling off the bandaid, just like got to do it really hard and uh, everything like that. Um, and definitely when it comes to Slack, um, I, I've definitely, when I transitioned my team, it was like four or five years ago now to Slack. Like I remember still getting internal emails and being like, no, like I, I think I said internal on Mac email. Like no. I said, anyone internal, I said like, I'm not going to answer this. If you need me again, it's like, I just didn't answer any emails that came internally. Um, and that was obviously very, very difficult on that end, but uh, it definitely got better over time. Um, one, one recommendation I was going to have too, is if you, when looking at tools too, a lot of people, the reason why I think we're lucky, I got lucky that I bet down on Slack, but also, when looking at tools, think about their longevity as well. Um, there's always the cool new hot thing. Mm-hmm. And this is coming, I think I've said this on the podcast before, I'm the cool new hot thing king uh, who can find something neat and be like, whoa, this is awesome. And like, I always have something new to kind of show somebody. But when you're talking about rolling a whole organization over, also think about, is this tool, A, integrate with things that I already have, so in that way, it, it you know, it's, it's robust, but also at the same time, like, is it going to be around for a long time? And I think I got a little lucky with Slack, um, but you know, when you look at tools, you know, if it if it's one of those tools, not necessarily has it been around for a long time, because I think that's the problem too. Is like if you are too late to the party, it's bad. But is it going to be around a long period of time? Because as coming from the guy who changed tools, like, and my team will tell you, like, we had a point in the company where, like, in a year, we changed like four different softwares for one different process, and people hated it. Um, you got to look at and see, like, is this going to be around for a long period of time? And I think we're in the day and age where software really is around, so don't be too afraid. But software going away. There's a quick cautionary there, and then we'll throw it back to you, Michael, to continue down your list. Um, uh, just the quick cautionary there of if you're tr- if you're changing things out too often, too much, um, that can be a danger as well. That there's it's you know you got to let people settle in a little bit, <laughs> otherwise totally. But at the same time, if something's not working, yeah, you got to pull the plug on it as well. So uh, just another one of those little cautionary tales. Now, okay, Michael, I'm sure you've got more on your list, so let's let's continue past. Yeah, past some other slack. great other great tools. Uh, <laughs> I would recommend. Uh, so we covered Trello, we covered Slack, um, CRM systems, right? So beyond that, you're going to need a CRM to keep all the contacts that are, are important. It could be for attendees, it could be for all your sponsor leads and things like that. Um, Most people know at this point what that is, but just in case. Customer relationship management system, absolutely. Um, this could be as simple as within Google using your Google contacts and Google groups and things like that if you're a one-person army. Um, but there's there's other tools out there that make it easier to manage people and have smart integrations with some of these other tools we're talking about to help keep it focused across the business. For example, if you have a tool that's designed for sponsorship sales, does that sponsorship system make it easy to once you close a sale invoice the person collect the payment and then record to your account get it over to your accounting people that they've paid um so uh, there's a few that have been coming up recently which are popular salesforce has been around forever um my company actually uses something called copper and copper's highlight is that they are they are specifically very aggressively engineered to integrate very smoothly with gmail so copper 90% of the time when you use it can just sit as a essentially a, a widget, which is like, like a box within the right side of the screen um, within your Gmail inbox. And you can use your entire functionality of it just from there. And uh, they also have a great mobile app. 
Um, Monday, I think it's called Mondays or Monday, is one that's been coming up a lot in these roundtable talks at, at the various um, event association meetings I've been going to. And a lot of people really love Monday from a hand-holding and onboarding standpoint with customers. Um, actually, one of our clients, Seafair in Seattle, had mentioned how much they love Monday and used that to onboard some of their bigger sponsors and make sure that they're not missing any deliverables and handholding. So that's some examples of CRMs I like. You can definitely Google, do your research, and really check at the pros and cons and make sure that the pros line up with what you need for your team. Talking back to um, how hard it is to onboard stuff. because And by the way, Will, that was a brilliant point you made about onboarding because what we've seen any technology in organizations when they make exceptions and say oh i don't i want to be nice and let them ease into it it's absolutely the meanest thing you could do to someone because what's going to happen is they're going to feel like they're failing in both the new system and the old system mm. instead of ripping the bandaid off and dealing with a little bit of uncomfortableness at the beginning and the way to set someone up to fail is to be like oh we'll allow you to ease into this because no one ever has the bandwidth to say let me do something uncomfortable uh, it's just never going to happen, right? So forcing people to, to really dive in and do that is definitely the right approach. Love it. It's probably, I'm looking at copper. I, didn't, I never heard of copper. Uh, it's, it's, and I'm guessing Brad's probably doing oh, the same. Man. As, uh, See, now he's going to have all these ideas. <laughs> it used to no, be called cool. ProsperWorks. They've been around for a while. They rebranded, I think, as copper. Changes. Yeah, I like it. I like it that it lives on the widget on the side of the email too, and uh, kind of does does it. I think um, it also you brought up a good point too that uh, like trying to build tools that fit into existing workflows that already exist too, um, rather than pull you out of it. Yeah. Um, uh, so for example, like I'll give another adoption uh, example. We we're testing out a software called Hugo, which is like an event note taking app, mm-hmm. um, or not event ta- note taking, but just a note taking app that people share instead of using Google Docs just to you know keep agendas, notes, to dos, things like that. It allows everyone to kind of work inside of it and then automatically send it to their own to-do lists and everything like that. Um, and I think one of the big things is that it's not a far stretch from where are you doing, and it integrates with everything everyone else is doing as well, which I think is important. So, um, so yeah, so CRM, what, what also is next that you think that people need to be thinking about when it comes to their workflow for their events? Well, uh, I, would, I would pivot to actually ticketing, right? So and not just, you know, everyone has a ticketing provider they're using, but more how are you picking that ticketing provider? Meaning, what do you need it to do? Are you trying to maximize the sale volume of high-end tickets? Is it free tickets and you're just trying to collect some information so that you can do some remarketing and other things or provide that marketing information to your sponsorships? Um, so when it comes to ticketing softwares, there's a wide range of products out there and they all do very different things. Uh, the easiest example is uh companies like like Ticketmaster, right? It's very uh, not self-serve. They queue it up, they build the entire thing for you, and and when you have changes, you have to make change requests to your ticketing pages. Um, The polar opposite of that is Eventbrite that's made to be entirely self-serve. But the events that they may be a good fit for could be entirely different. So really understanding the pluses and minuses to the different types of ticketing technologies out there, the self-serve versus the hybrids, versus the totally um, you know, uh, service-based ticketing companies is important. Um, and in understanding the level of data that you need and that you want and how you're going to get that and how you're going to use that data is also really important. For example, um, ticketing company we like a lot called Ticket Spice, a web connects company based in Sacramento. Um, their system is meant to be mostly self-serve, but it has customization that allows you to grab 
uh, specific demographic areas about your attendees. And then you're able to export things like that and do your sponsorship decks and use that to get better data across the organization for your strategy. So that that's one example, just because I happen to know that product pretty well. Um, there's a ton of, you know, ShowClicks is out there. Ticketfly is now an event, a bright company. Uh, but they all have their different pluses and minuses, and they could be better fits for different types of events than others. So it's really important to understand what those are and do your research before just saying, oh, that I heard of that one. That sounds cool. It's just, do, of course, that's the best fit. That's a, it's a huge point. And I, one of the other things that I'd like to emphasize when it comes to ticketing and registration and, and all of those types of platforms is that there, there really is at this point uh, a platform for every budget. Um, but you're, there's trade-offs for that. You know, either you're either going to have to put in more work yourself, uh, like you said, or, you know, or you're handing it off to someone else, but you're going to pay for that privilege. Um, or, you know, if it's free, which many ticketing and registration uh, software can be, um, you always have to ask, how do they make their money? And uh, anytime you can't figure out how they make the money, you are the product. Mm -hmm. uh, or in this case, your attendees data is the product. So understanding exactly how that data is going to be used and exactly how they're planning on, on using it um, is an important part of that factor. So just making sure that if you're going with a low budget option, if you're going with something that is free, it's either going to be, they're either going to be uh, using and selling your data in one way or another, or you're going to be doing an awful lot of work and probably both. Yeah, for sure. And the other thing to think about is what your cash flow needs are for your event when you're when it comes to ticketing, especially because more than anything else, ticketing is the company where if you have a big enough event and you have big enough ticket sales and you can show that over a couple of years, you can potentially have a ticketing company that says, hey, here's a bag of money to use us. Uh, and the question is, over the course of your event, is it critical to get that money up front to help you run your operations? Because you're probably paying a higher percentage to get that in, on the tail end of it, right, against that advance. Um, so is it more important to have a, a profit margin that's slightly higher over the course of your event or to get a little bit of money up front that you can then use to deploy against other things in your operations? So understanding your cash flow needs and how that factors in. Um, some of the larger ticketing companies that are more service-based are the ones that are more apt to do those big advances up front. So something to definitely factor into your research when you're looking at the different features. All right, let's keep going. What else you got? <laughs> <laughs> uh, those are the so let me check out my uh, yeah I was gonna project say, management we, 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 CRMs ticketing softwares communication yeah. so uh, I guess we talked a little about CRM but specifically however you're managing your um, your B2B partners like your more of your bigger population than just your key sponsors but your vendors and your exhibitors um, we're obviously very biased in this area because we feel like <laughs> we've built something that, that really attacks this Thing head on. Uh, but I'm not going to do a, a hard pitch here. You can check out all of our, our website, eventhub.net, for that kind of stuff and get educated. Or you can check us out on Capterra and check out some of the reviews. But the, the general gist of it is that we've built a system that allows you to um, easily manage all the applications, payments, paperwork, and logistics that go into managing your craft vendors, food vendors, your exhibitors, your commercial folks, um, and all, all the way up to your bigger sponsors where you have custom deliverables. Not just manage the inbound stuff, but actually communicate with them up to and after the event and set the stage well for next year. So, uh, And we do that all while also tying it into a marketplace leads Based thing. So I guess the things to consider on a more broad aspect when dealing with your, your vendor and exhibitor management, we'll talk about those guys a bit, is how are you managing all the documentation that's required? So 
that's a big, big area of just stress. And it's something that gets left on the wayside. And that's something that has people up till 1am the night of their event, checking off uh, temporary food facility permits so that people can actually come in and serve food or sample things. Um, and it's things that they're scrambling to meet with the health department three days in a row before the event to get right. Those kind of things. If you have a system that allows you to quickly and easily understand who owes you what pieces of paperwork and what's approved versus rejected and what do they have to correct and get back to you, streamlining that type of stuff is uh, is a really critical piece. And then obviously the money. So you'd be amazed at how many events go through and get up to the event and let people come in without actually paying to be there. And if you think it's hard to get someone to pay you before your event, try getting money after they've already come in for free and executed at your event and they can have their own opinions on, you know, maybe they ran a, a shoddy booth and they blame it on you when it's their fault for being bad managers. And all of a sudden they say, oh, make me. Uh, and do you really have the capacity or the legal expense to go sue every individual 10 by 10 booth who doesn't pay you? No. So so making sure you have the ability to track and actually get the money ahead of the event is huge. And then that load in, that logistical stuff is so, so important. And by that, I mean, you know, the day of the event, if you're a typical festival, for example, or, or a typical fair, you have um, food vendors coming in either by tent-based and booth-based stuff, or you have food trucks coming in. If you've ever worked with food trucks and done an event, then you know that at least 25% of them are going to have a flat tire or a broken engine or a blown transmission that they just rebuilt this week um, the morning of. And being able to have them know what they do and who to reach out to on your team to handle that without freaking out and blowing you up 10 times at 5 a.m. is, is really Really helpful. So some of the other systems, uh, I mean, Google Sheets is something that's actually used. We, we come up against that when we're pitching into new events, probably more than anything. And the reason is people understand Excel back in the day. And essentially, they say, oh, this is a shareable version of Excel that my team can access to. Um, if you have a very disciplined and organized team, you can get pretty far with Google Sheets. But again, it doesn't tie any file management piece to those rows of data and you're relying on your team to manually update different aspects of the sheet so if you're okay with that and some manual errors coming in that that are and by that i mean so google sheet just to, to paint a, a audio picture for you um, you have different columns of maybe one thing is insurance or certificates of insurance which is a coi colloquial term you could have overall contract service contract you could have payment status you could have um, other fire permitting seller permitting each area that you need to check off is going to have a, a column in your spreadsheet and then you have a row going down that's each each row is each booth or partner or sponsor right so again that really comes back to how good of a team process do you have in place who's responsible for updating what areas of the spreadsheet and who's responsible for cross-checking it to making sure that nothing's missed and and things aren't incorrectly input how to, has your system catching when you mess something up on that manual spreadsheet so those are some different aspects that are really important when determining what kind of vendor and sponsor management tool you're going to use. Um, it may be something that your CRM can help you cover to a degree. It may be something that you need something more expansive and a dedicated system, depending on the size of your event, to really optimize that area. And the whole point of it is the less time you spend managing everybody, the more time you can actually spend selling new sponsorships and, and finding new partners and making more top line revenue for your company. Awesome. I know uh, Brian and I have some additional uh, tools potentially, and uh, you kind of talked a little bit about how Google Sheets, if you're looking to kind of level it up for database side of things, I know Airtable is a great alternative as well that expands upon that and allows you to create databases essentially very, very easily um, and do some more complex things that Google Sheets can do, which is really cool. And I know, Brian, you had another suggestion as well. Well, I've got a client, I'm pretty sure it's Smartsheet uh, yeah, is Smart one Sheets. as well. And that's, I've got a client that uses that pretty effectively. And, and uh, because there are going 
going to be things that you start bumping up against uh, in in uh, you know in in Excel or even in in Google Sheets and things like that. Uh, like you said, when you start dealing with attachments and things like that, that starts to get messy real mm-hmm. quick. Smartsheets I've I've found actually de- deals with that fairly well, uh, at least in the way that this particular client implemented it. Absolutely. So um, I'm, we're curious to know too. Like, do you have any? Other non-obvious tools that you think that everyone needs to know about before we start to wrap up. Um, a lot of these are, you know, like for, these are fairly big name things. As they're like, you know, actually, you know what works. You know what I mean? It's kind of like, yeah, it's kind of like Notepad, right? You know what works? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, <Notepad>. sure. <laughs> you know, I would say so. Some of the stuff that is very popular among the the I would say under thirty five folks or under forty, but maybe not over that. So there's some tools that are not Slack that are better on mobile than texting, like WhatsApp, for example. Um, you can quickly and easily shoot a voice note to someone or you can send them a message. What's helpful is the system shows you when it's been sent and delivered to their phone, but it shows you when they've actually read it. So if you're trying to get a hold of someone pretty urgently, you know if they're actually on, online and getting your messages or not. That's one of them. Um, I don't know any offhand, but I've been hearing a lot uh, around the shows lately that there's some newer companies that are now trying to replicate. Uh, essentially, there's the apps out there that instead of the, you know, the Motorola, the... the le- yeah, 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 the voice, te- the texting, uh, the... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's Sprint, you know, the legendary uh, Motorola handsets. So now there's apps that take over your phone and actually use radio waves instead of the, the you know, normal bandwidth that supposedly can cut through better when you're outdoors and things like that. And they function just about as good as a Motorola headset, but through an app on your phone that seems to be something that's very popular um there's also if, some... we, if you if you ever find that tool please dear god tell me because we like yeah we want to get rid of radios and like sometimes you know like stuff like that so easily yeah. but even even slack hasn't quite figured out how to send quick audio notes like i'm surprised they haven't done a feature where you can press and just leave a quick voice mm-hmm. message back and forth um there's some tools like recordify you can type slash record yep. and then and then record but that's like so many steps just to you know what and the, versus whatsapp's a quick like no you're early right app, early app things that i tried were, were <clears throat> terrible like literally your phone would heat up like a red hot nuclear explosion you know just from it running in the background mm-hmm. like that's not good which yeah. one is it and you said i it was it was one of the early ones that i tried it and it was like voxer kind of, or something kind of like that push to talk type thing oh yeah voxer's yeah. another one was, yeah that's another was, one like was, whatsapp voxer's a little pro- more voice based go ahead yeah. yeah but i i think you bring up a good point though it's like the problem though is it relies on data right. and not every convention center or you know outdoor venue has perfect data yep. as well so yeah that's true so i, I guess alleg- uh, allegedly i haven't tested it myself is that these apps aren't relying on cell phone signal they're using radio antennas um, TBD, I guess we'll, we'll have to do a, a follow-up. Yeah, update. absolutely. Yeah, well, we're, definitely. we're definitely going to do a follow-up because we want to find out more uh, about Event Hub and how that works. Give you plenty of opportunity to do that. And then, like I mentioned in the opening, we're going to have you back and, and talk with one of your customers as well about implementation because I, I always love having those conversations about, okay, what was the pain point? Why did you choose these guys, choose these guys and how is, it, how is it working rather than just blah, 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 here's our product. Yeah. Um, so, all right, Michael, so as we start to wrap up here, what's kind of the what's kind of the one tool that maybe we forgot to cover what have we forgot to ask you give you that opportunity to just throw that last thing out there i know i know it's the uh, we want to stay tech focused here but honestly we've talked about so many great tools the the biggest thing i would say is how are you using them it really does come back to the process map you know, none of these tools are good if you're not using it the right way and if everyone on your team isn't on the same page. So no matter what you use, you can get farther with a crappy tool and a good process that you can with the best tool and a crappy process. Um, so that that would be, I guess, my biggest takeaway that I that we just to harp on it one more time is like, you guys, you can get super excited as I do too as a nerd. Like every time there's a new tech tool, I'm diving into it and I'm checking it out and I'm playing with it. 
but it's only as good as the team that's using it. All right, and then what's the one thing that nobody would ever guess about you? No one would ever guess. Um, let's see. <laughs> these these were unprompted questions. You didn't answer that in in the survey that we had you fill oh, out. Oh, I did. So now I got to put you on <laughs> the spot about. You were like, oh, I'm not sure. <laughs> uh, never guess about me. Okay. Uh, I would say that I uh, was once a drummer in a drumline, in like in like a high school drumline. Have you ever seen nice. the movie Drumline? Nice. Dig it. All right. There we go. Well, Michael, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate thank it. You, Michael. Hey, thank you for having me. And this has been really fun. All right. We want to thank you all for listening out there. We want to remind you uh, that the best place to find out more about the Event Tech Podcast is, of course, eventtechpodcast.com. There you're going to see all of the show notes, all the links to the resources. Uh, you know, all of these products we'll have listed in there. You've got transcripts of what, you know, we've talked about today. You're going to find there the links to subscribe to us in your favorite podcast app. That's one of the best ways we can just get be sent beam to your phone on a weekly basis right there so you don't even have to think about it itunes pocket cast google play of course the new pocket uh, the new uh, podcast app that are being released uh for iphone and on the google um we want to know what you think so be sure and contact us event tech podcast hashtag event tech podcast on whatever social platform you feel like talking to us about and of course you can use the old email event tech podcast at hello endless.com want to thank you all for listening and we'll see you next time on the event tech podcast Thanks again for listening to the Event Tech Podcast. Be sure to rate and review us on your favorite podcasting app. Also, be sure to head to eventtechpodcast.com and leave us a comment about this week's episode. We'll see you next week on the Event Tech Podcast. Adventure, adventure, out.